Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. He's covered the big events and talked to the biggest names in sports for more than three decades. Breeze end zone. He hit it. 500 career touchdown passes. From Super Bowls to the World Series, he's been there, he'll be there, and he's here now for CMI, the Chris Myers interview. Hey, thanks for tuning in. It's uh, nice to be here with you. And the NFL, as baseball moves towards the, the postseason and a postseason bubble, and what an amazing job, by the way, Major League Baseball, the players, uh, the owners, uh, just working through these challenging times to even have a hope, to have a season, to have a hope of a postseason at a, at a World Series. And the NFL, you know, the, the, the virtual draft and the offseason, and, and week one is, is in the books some exciting stuff. I was able to call Aaron Rodgers lighting up the Vikings defense in Minnesota. Of course, they did not have a crowd. There were a couple of places that did allow a portion of a crowd in, and those teams, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs, they won their opener. Jacksonville with a stunning upset. The Jags allowed some fans in their game as they knocked off Philip Rivers and the Colts. So it's great to have the NFL back, and the one of the sponsors of our show, Bet Online, wants you to enjoy the game even more. Whatever you're watching in your area, if you want to get in on the action, if you're rooting for a team or against a team, uh, it's just good to have football back. So uh, even if you can't be at a game this year, uh, get in on the action. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure that no matter what's happening in the football world, you'll at least be a part of it. They have game spreads and totals. Uh, to team player coaching props. Bet online gives you more options to wager than any place online, and you can get in on some of the bonuses early. Start off wagering on win, division, championship, futures are there. Go to Bet Online right now and take advantage of the great sign up bonuses because this week and week two, there's some interesting games like the Falcons and the Cowboys, both coming off losses. Dallas, a heavy favorite, at least expected to win the division and go far into the playoffs. We've also got the Rams, who beat the Cowboys on Sunday night, playing in Philadelphia, where Carson Wentz is feeling the heat, not just from a loss, but that offensive line, the pass rush, and the Ram defense looked really good on, on Sunday night. And Ben Roethlisberger, back after the injury of last year, a little bit of a slow start in that Monday night game, but once he got going with that Steeler defense, hanging him, keeping him in there, he hung in there, and then the offense clicked and they beat uh, the Giants. And then you have Tom Brady in Tampa Bay at home against the Panthers and Teddy Bridgewater, and you wonder – uh, you know, after it was a tough opener with the Saints, with or without a crowd in New Orleans. But I just have a feeling this will be a breakout game that, that Brady will click with all that Tampa Bay offensive talent. And, and Patriots, Seahawks in, in Seattle, of course, they'll miss the Seahawks crowd. To me, it's the latest, I should say, the loudest outdoor stadium I've ever been in on the field or in the booth. And the latest on that game, of course, Cam Newton, who ran the ball a lot for the Patriots in their win. Uh, for Bill Belichick in his first game there. And then the Seahawks won down in Atlanta with Russell Wilson airing it out. So that'll be fun to fun to watch. Anyway, you can visit our, our friend's exclusive partner at uh, Podcast One here at Bet Online. Take advantage of the bonuses. Uh, sign up for a free account. Make sure to use the promo code PODCAST1. That's podcast and then spell out O-N-E, and that'll be your sign-up bonus. And don't forget to uh, mention that promo code to get the bonus. Bet Online is your online sportsbook experts. Jim Edmonds, uh, former Cardinal uh, Angel, uh, now part of the St. Louis broadcast team, is coming up in a moment uh, on CMI, the Chris Myers interview. He, he's a riot. He, he talks not only about baseball, but about you know, going through a divorce, about being on reality TV, uh, about going through a, a COVID-19 experience that cost him as a broadcaster, calling games 
this unusual season from home uh, for Major League Baseball. So Jim Edmonds uh, here in just a moment. I just want to share with you, having called NFL games and covered them on the field for years, the broadcast in this unusual year. And as we said, we are missing the fans when you can fill a stadium and they can be there. The process, though, this is all necessary, and the NFL players have to stay. They're not officially in a bubble, but they have to stay close to their hotel, uh, in and around their team, the social distancing, wearing masks. And for broadcasters, uh, us as well, we called a game in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and that stadium that is one of the loudest uh, domes, uh, and, and the uh, there was no crowd. I mean, they pipe in the crowd at 70 decibels. That's what the league said. And Aaron Rodgers took advantage without a crowd affecting uh, he uh, being a veteran could call signals out of the line of scrimmage that his team could hear clearly and he ended up with a four touchdown performance it was outstanding for us of the broadcast team with Brock Heward and Greg Jennings former receiver himself with the Vikings and Packers won a Super Bowl with Rodgers and, and the Packers we had to be tested the day before we had to fill out a certain medical forms protocol through Fox and the NFL and the CDC before we even traveled and then had to be tested once we were in the city Uh, to make sure, and if anybody tested positive, thankfully in our case they did not, well then you wouldn't be able to go to the game with the concern of maybe getting somebody else infected and it's spreading and then causing a problem trying to not only the teams do their job, uh, but us doing our job. So we stayed in our booth area, the uh, producer director stayed in the truck area, the camera crews, they had to stay separately. And certainly when the teams came in, we unusually couldn't go on the field and before the game and chat and, and catch up with them, not even from a distance. The field reporter had to stay a couple of rows up in the, in the stands, a moat area they've established now behind benches. So that's how careful we, we had to be. And then when you start the game, once there's football, it was just exciting to be calling uh, the action. And with the crowd noise, you almost don't glance up into the stands uh, because you focus more on the field and your analysts uh, to call the game. It was a a unique experience, but but worth it all to just have the NFL back. And I think as we go through and some teams and some stadiums, and again, it's not up to the team, it's up to the city or whoever operates the stadium because of certain laws or protocol because of health risks. Once we see more of that allowed even in small doses and that we get through that okay without any further health scare, then I I think the crowds will be back at some point in the NFL. Just my opinion. I know that's a hope, that's a goal, uh, but that's at least something that I I think will bring us back to what we're used to when we're here in football season. Hey, it is Ross Tucker from the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, among other NFL-related podcasts, the former NFL offensive lineman, and yes, we are going to have an NFL season. It is here, thankfully. So, if you want to bet on the games, it is the Even Money Podcast. If you just want to play Fantasy Football, Fantasy Feast Podcast, or every day your NFL fix, the aforementioned Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Nice to have Jim Edmonds on CMI, the Chris Byers interview on podcast one. And uh, we go back a bit uh, historically covering uh, baseball. I covered him as a player. And, uh, you know, well, first of all, Jim, it's nice to talk to you. Am I talking to, to Jim, the the broadcast analyst, or Jim, the former player, or Jim, the reality star? Which one am I getting today? Um, you are talking to Jim that has nothing to do today, but talk to his old friend, Chris Myers. I have. <laughs> No kids this afternoon. I have no work this afternoon, and I'm sitting in my office paying bills. 
All right, well, it's good you have an office. That's a, that's a start. <laughs> uh, what, you're still broadcasting, and as we speak, uh, things have been crazy with the baseball season, so we'll get to that. And for people listening, I obviously cover you as 2006 World Series Cardinal champions, but uh, I mean, terrific outfielder, outstanding defensive outfielder. I, I first want to talk about w- was there an art form to what you know? We watched Ken Griffey; he would glide and make it look effortless. There were a lot of players like that. I, I think I think Kevin Kiermeyer is kind of like the modern day Jim Edmonds for people that don't haven't watched and followed great defensive center fielders. How would you describe making a fantastic catch? And you made quite a few uh, quite a few over your career. Uh, to be honest with you, just have the balls to go out and get it. Um, I, the way I played defense was basically um, I wasn't going to allow the ball to drop in the outfield. Um, when I was younger, I just did it for fun. And as I got older, I appreciated the game a little bit more. And I started to learn what that meant to my teammates. Um, and that kind of drove me a little bit harder to go out there and do it. And I just thought it was part of my job. I just wanted to be a two-way player. Um, and I really did. I thought it was part of my job. If I was going to be a center fielder, similar to a shortstop, go out and do your job. And so it was hitting and playing defense. But the defensive part often overlooked you. Uh, is there is there timing in the – did you have the speed to get to the – I mean, I, I remember you having different contortions sometimes, but still getting to the ball, getting your glove on it, and, and hauling it in. Uh, you know what? I, I mean, I wasn't blessed with speed. Um, but what I was blessed with uh, was basically a brain that wanted to learn um, about the game, and then I – figured out certain ways to put myself in a, a good position. And I really paid attention to what the pitchers were doing and the catchers were calling. And I had a, a memory of just hitters. Uh, and I knew exactly what was going to happen. I still have that. I can watch games today and tell you exactly what's going to happen if a certain pitch is thrown um, just by the way they swing the bat. And I don't know. I just, I took pride in it. You know, I really yeah. did. I just thought, you, you know, the one thing for me is you can't control what happens on the offensive side. So you can control effort and uh, and willingness to go out and play defense. And that's kind of how I figured I would combat the struggles at the plate was go out there and have fun on defense and do everything I could. And you did. And I, I, I should have figured that you did the homework before positioning the pitch, the, 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 the type of hitter that's out there. Who are, the, who are the, some of the best gloves today in your mind in the, in the outfield? Uh, Jim. Yeah, there's a. I mean, there's a few. I, you know, I don't pay attention to the game outside of the Cardinals as much as I probably should. But I love that you said uh, Kevin Kiermaier. Uh, you know, he makes some great catches, uh, and, and he does it like like I like you said. Just he just goes out and does it. Um, you see a lot of those guys. Pilar was in Toronto for a while, yep. and he yep. seemed to be kind of um, you know uh, what's the right word I'm looking for. Um, you know, he the, the toughness to go out and make plays on that turf. Uh, you know, there's a there's a lot of guys. I love watching Harrison Bader on our team. Okay. Um, you know, he he's fast and he's athletic. And what's the kid's name in in Minnesota? Bruxton. He's yeah, yeah, amazing. Yeah. Like there's, 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 you know what, Chris? This, this game now is so athletic, and these kids are so gifted. Uh, they're getting bigger, stronger, faster at a younger age, and it's just I think to be honest with you. To be a fan in this day and age, if you didn't understand the game before, uh, you would understand these kids are just so gifted and so much fun to watch. It's just amazing what they can do. 
Yeah, and part of that, you know, Buxton's a good example of Minnesota of, of guys having to know it's almost like a quarterback or Russell Wilson in football to protect your body, you know, when you're going to run around, when you're diving. And I know your mindset probably is just, I got to catch the ball no matter what, right? You're not thinking, oh, I got to protect myself, but whether you're running into a wall or, or leaping or, or running into another teammate chasing. Best of all time in terms of what you saw defensively in the outfield, I mean, is Ken Griffey Jr., one of those in the modern era that, that you witnessed when you played? Oh, for sure. Uh, Griff, um, Kenny Lofton was amazing. You know, I grew up in Anaheim, and I got the, um, the pleasure to watch Devon White for a little while. Oh, and yeah. uh, Gary Pettis was amazing. Um, you know, and even Freddie Lynn was there. Uh, yep. Just guys just played. You know, you, you saw Devon White with just the, the grace of a gazelle, and then, then um, Gary Pettis with just blazing speed, and then – I kind of I don't know if I patterned my game off that, but Freddie Lynn just being um, always on time and and he was you know ball to the walls and one of those guys that wouldn't give up. So it was fun to be able to watch those guys from a from a closer angle, being um, in that area growing up. But obviously Griffey and um, Kenny Lofton and guys like that um, in my era were were amazing to watch. I don't really put myself in that class, even though I know I was as good as those guys, but just different types of games. Yeah, well, it's re- it's a reason you had eight gold gloves and, and a four-time All-Star. You mentioned the players of today, Jim. Uh, just a couple of things that have happened in this unique year. want to get your reaction to, for example, the universal designated hitter, which I, my opinion is it's here to stay. I, I, I know people have pushed that for a while. Uh, but I remember when people were screaming about expanded playoffs and interleague play, and I know 2020 is a unique season. But, but do you like that uh, as a full-time? Uh, uh, you know, I didn't like it at first. I, I really didn't like it at first, but I think I'm sold on it a little bit. I, I think, um, you know, I look at things from different angles now. I'm uh, assistant to the president of baseball operations and, and here in St. Louis. And so I look at it from a front office standpoint as far as my pitchers go. Uh, and it kind of makes it a little easier on them. I think the offense um, gets a boost when you get um, another bat in the in the game, and I think we're trying to make the game more exciting. Uh, and it gives another guy another guy a chance to play, which in the National League, I think you waste a lot of talent sometimes because you know you have 25 guys on a roster, and even though you get um, to move around a little bit and, and be creative because of the pitcher having to hit and in and out of the lineup and, and, and double switch, I like the fact that these younger guys are getting a chance to play more. Um, and so I'm kind of – I was really against it. Now I'm starting to like it. So, um, you know, I guess I'm kind of growing to the idea of change is okay sometimes. I hated the idea when they started to make the all-star game count. I thought that was dangerous as far as um, players getting hurt, um, pushing them a little too far and little stuff like that. But it's starting to grow on me. Uh, the seven-inning doubleheader, I, I think, is just for this season, so we will accept that. But what about the the? I know they did this in the minor leagues. It seems so impure, but yet it is exciting, and I, I've warmed up to it. The extra inning, starting out with the runner at second base, when you when you are tied after after nine. Do you, do you think that's something that you'd like to see stay? I don't think that's going to stick. I actually, to be honest with you, I haven't seen that happen yet. I don't watch the game on TV as much as, you know, uh, a lot of other people. And I've not tuned into, um, you know, national games that often because of my kids. But I think that um, that one might be a tough one to stick. I think it's a great idea for this year. And 
I don't know. It, it's funny because you see things that they try in the minor leagues and you're like, that will never work. And then the next thing they're doing <laughs> in the big leagues. So <laughs> I, I really don't know. I, to be honest with you, as a uh, analyst, uh, the seven inning double header is amazing because the games aren't dragging out so long. Uh, yeah. But as a baseball purist, I'm not sure I love that either. Yeah, and you, a Fox Sports Midwest with the Cardinals broadcast, you guys do a great, a great job. You mentioned with the front office. Would you? Did I hear that you'd like to be involved in in ownership, specifically maybe a Cardinal, be a, a part of the Cardinals ownership or own a team someday? Is that is that a goal of yours? Um, it's not a goal of mine. I would love to. I would love to be like almost like the face of the franchise, so to speak, as far as for the players to see a guy that's been um, through the. Um, ups and downs of the game. You know, I, I kind of look back and look at like Nolan Ryan when he was sitting in the stands for the Astros. Um, and um, yeah, kind of a president to the club or, you know. That, yeah, that yeah, yeah. Like a guy might not be running day-to-day efforts, but he's that face that people can say, hey, man, he's watching today. Or um, I want to talk to this guy because he's been there. Uh, that that kind of thing. I think that the players today lean on older players and older um, guys that have really been in the trenches much more than they would if you were just a figurehead. And and I I don't mean that as any disrespect because a lot of guys, we got a guy who's amazing here. Um, Our president, John Mozalak is awesome. And he's like, I'm surprised uh, every time I talk to him, how smart and how knowledgeable he is. And he just makes me a better person with baseball every day. Um, But I, I still think that sometimes, you know, players look at coaches and, and other people around them and like, well, if you're not, t- if you don't know, uh, if you haven't been there, how can you help me? And I believe that's there sometimes. And it's just a, a stigma that people have and either have it or you don't. And, and that's, I think it does help. And, and yet, you know, managers, the trend, even though Joe Girardi and Dusty Baker were, were rehired, and obviously their credentials say, of course, but you see Aaron Boone, who was, really didn't have any experience, was a broadcaster. David Ross, a terrific player, been on winning teams, former catcher who was broadcasting and then gets a chance to take over and manage the, the Cubs. What, I mean, would you have an interest in managing? Is that, is that, or is that too much work? I mean, it's a, <laughs> um, you know what, both. I really didn't think I would. I think that um, watching Aaron and David um, manage and just kind of knowing um, being around the game now, you, you have to be a people person. And you also have to understand that um, there's 25 guys out there. And I think that I did that as a player, um, I was kind of like the guy who kept the, the team together. You know, there's a couple guys in that locker room that the, the glue to keep a team together and they have to stand up and talk every now and then, and they have to fight and push and, and do the things that people aren't willing to do. And that part, I think I can do because I kind of understand what everyone's going through. Cause I did that as a player. Um, I, it scares me. I don't know how those guys take on that role so fast as a manager. Cause I don't know if I would be actually prepared uh, as far as a manager um, I think there's a lot more to, to do than you, people think. And I guess if I was going to be a manager, I would really have to hire um, some people that knew what they were doing because <laughs> I think the day-to-day stuff would be the hardest thing to deal with. Managing, I think, couldn't be that tough um, as far as, you know, keeping the clubhouse together. But I think the guys behind the scenes, the ones that do all the work, and um, they don't get enough credit. Yeah, the manager like the CEO, and he, ha- he has his pitching coach, you know, the, the, the hit batting instructor, hitting instructor. You get your third base coach. I mean, they're, they're different, but yeah, yeah, it's evolved. Yeah, I guess it's always been. In fact, most people that are successful in any line of work uh, have, that, have those people skills and seem to be aware and let, let the people that they hire do their jobs so it all, it all works. You had a career, For I mentioned, sure. 
Angels, Cardinals, Padres, Cubs, Brewers, Reds, and we mentioned the World Series with the Cardinals. How does a how does a former uh, major leaguer <laughs> end up doing reality TV? Is that uh, can you take us through that journey? Oh man, when you get really bored and you retire, <laughs> um, someone asks you if you want to try something, and you're married, uh, and you do something for your wife. But uh, you know what? It, it was it's interesting. It's um, it wasn't that bad at the beginning and it really isn't um, a bad, bad thing. It's just the way they air it now and the way they splice and cut and try to get ratings uh, can turn it sideways a little bit. Um, I've made some really good friends uh, in in that situation. um, And I lost my wife to that. I think she ended up wanting to be um, in that lifestyle more than I did. And so um, my marriage fell, fell apart, but you know, like I said, everything's an experience, and I never thought I'd be a broadcaster uh, in the media because I just didn't really appreciate it when I played. So you just never know what life's going to bring you. Yeah, we're all we're all aging and growing, so it's unfortunate. I'm sorry if if it if you lost your wife through the reality, and I think it was the Real Housewives of Orange County, right? Forgive me because I don't yeah I don't follow a lot of the reality TV because I don't I don't know good, how good re- for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I was going to say I don't you know what because honestly I've been around live sports so and and that's reality TV that's unscripted and I, I've always thought reality TV was not truly reality because of just what you said. There's producers coaching. There's people who edit. Things things and, and retake and reshoot and life real life is is not that way and and I would think uh, you know Jim you're used to your job when you were cameras were on you when you were out there playing in, in the outfield or at the plate but I, I don't know how comfortable anybody I guess you have to be cut out for that to have a camera and to be on kind of all the time or in your home or, or in your regular life if I'm describing how, how would you describe yeah just the reality TV are they constantly clue us in are they are they, are they saying we're going to redo this yeah. or we'll follow you around or yeah, you're kind of right. Uh, reality is not reality. I mean, the the basic part of the reality TV is, yeah, you're on TV and they are filming you. And that's where it all uh, goes out the door. I mean, they cut and slice. They ask you to repeat things seven times so they can get a different reaction each time. And I think that's how people get frustrated and how the guys start to look bad. Um, when I first went on the show, the one of the, the fathers or one of the husbands told me, hey, they're going to make you look bad because that's just another angle for them to get ratings as far as the rift between you and your wife if your wife doesn't uh, come on the show and really light it up. And then um, other than that, like I said, it, it, it wasn't that bad. They come over, they tell you, hey, we're going to be at your house from 12 to 2 or, hey, you're going to do this from 9 to 4. Or, hey, you're going to have a party on Wednesday night, um, you know. And the, the one thing that really disappointed me was um, when I first was on the show, we had a lot of friends in, in the business, and I had a lot of fun. And within the second year or third year, new girls would come on the show that have seen it, and they automatically jump into being the bad girl and take sides and start fights. And that's when it all went out the window, and that's when I just lost interest. Yeah, and, it began, and it's artificial then because they're going for ratings in the scene. So do you think, and it's a little personal, but do you think had you not done this reality show, you'd still uh, be married or, or that just that was the reason or that exposed some things in, in the marriage not working on? Uh, you know, I don't know about that question um, as far as really because my relationship fell apart and um, the person that I married wasn't the person that I uh, first met. But I, I don't know if we'd still be married, but I just know that things would have been different. I think when you are in the limelight and you have lived that life for a long time and you get used to it, 
uh, and you can handle it. Obviously, I've played in all-star games and World Series and stuff, and I have the personality where I think stuff like that didn't phase me, and people ask me all the time, how do you handle it? I'm like, it's just part of life, right, Chris? You go outside, right. people know you. You've been doing this job for so long. You're a famous person. When people get a taste of that fame and it's quick, they strive for more and it changes them. And I really, truly believe that these people get caught up in that. And then when that disappears, they have to fill that void. Uh, and sometimes it takes a nasty toll. And I think that's kind of what happened to me. Yeah, and there is a difference in somebody who becomes famous over time and feels comfortable with it or earns it, accomplishes, where it's that overnight thing where you're used to being the star, but you're wondering, do I really deserve this? What did I do to get this? How do I hold on to it? So it's, it's an interesting uh, discussion, but you're in, a, you're in a good relationship now, correct? I, we have that. I have an amazing girlfriend, and um, yeah, and she is, uh, gosh, um, I, if I was a girl, she would be my knight in shining armor. I never thought that I would ever get into a situation where I'd find love again. I've uh, been tainted so bad that it's just such an amazing surprise to have someone that actually does care uh, about you and, and show you those feelings every day. It's really fun to be back into that. But, uh, you know, life is, uh, life is crazy. And yeah. <laughs> um, I'm trying to to just live it one day at a time. And I have amazing kids and I live in St. Louis full time now and I'm enjoying that. And I enjoy my jobs uh, with the Cardinals and with Fox. And I really, Chris, I'm just trying to have a good positive influence on my kids. And, um, you know, being famous is part of it. Um, and I'm just trying to be humble and, and go through my day each day. Yeah, no, and I appreciate you talking about it. And, and how, the co-parenting is okay. I mean, obviously, you, you enjoy your time with your kids between the jobs and all of the other things that you're doing, but that's got to be a challenge. Yeah, it, it's something I've had to adjust to because back in the day when I played, um, you know, you couldn't be around your kids, so you basically give them up. Well, now um, I have the means to basically help, have help all the time. Um, and so when I go to work now, I don't have to give my kids up. I can have them at home and they can wake up with uh, their dad in the house in the morning and not go back to their mom and, and do some of the things that baseball took away from me. Um, because I've just, um, figured out better ways to keep my family intact. And so that helps. Um, and it's nice to live here full time and not literally have to go somewhere. Uh, to be honest with you, um, being selfish, I think that, uh, one of the best things that's come out of this COVID thing is. Being able to do um, baseball on TV on the road from home. Uh, yes. I love being in the studio. I don't have to spend <laughs> the night on the road. I get to stay with my kids every single night. And I literally love it. And I hope that baseball and everything gets back to normal. But, man, I sure could sit at home every day and do games on TV uh, from a studio in St. Louis and not have to travel. Yeah, you know, Jim, you, I can't tell you how many different play-by-play uh, -play, uh, and analysts have said the same thing that they. And I have to, I have to compliment uh, whether it's the audio, and I know we miss the fans of the stands that look, but you know, we, uh, you really can't tell sometimes whether you're in one city or the. You know, Joe Buck did a, a game from one spot, and John Smoltz was in another, and you guys were at home calling a, a game that is on the road. It, it really, it, 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 I think it's going to change the, a little bit of the way television works going going forward. Now, what you do miss, obviously. Is is you know, hanging around the batting cage and talking to the manager and that type of thing. But you have a pipeline when you're doing one team like the Cardinals. You're, you're obviously plugged in as as the home team announcer. But you mentioned COVID, and we know a number of teams, as we're speaking, the Marlins, uh, certainly the Cardinals, were, were, have been affected. 
Uh, and, and I give baseball a lot of credit for, for still trying to make this work and pushing through it with, with safety first, but also giving the game back to the players and its fans. You had, you tested uh, positive, and I know I fully recovered, but uh, describe what, how you first found out, how, how you felt going through it, because there are a lot of people that hear about it or hear it on the news, and there's a lot of misinformation out there. And, and so it'd be nice to, to know from someone who's, who's actually gone through it. Yeah, it was uh, it was interesting. I felt that I was kind of getting sick, but I am one of those guys that never gets sick. So I've probably had the flu twice and three times in my entire life. Um, <laughs> so I started getting a little bit of a fever, um, and I had kind of the night sweats that they have. Uh, they was one of the symptoms, and then all of a sudden I started getting the shortness of breath for a couple of days. And when that got bad, I went to the I called one of the team doctors and said, "Hey." This is what's going on. And he was obviously concerned because they know more than, than I do. I was just like, oh, I'll be fine, you know. But then I woke up one day and I said, am I going to be one of those guys that said, oh, it happened to me and I didn't think it could happen? So I went in and then I actually had pneumonia. Um, and as wow. soon as I went in and got tested, <clears throat> I started to turn around. They said, well, you've been doing great. You've been, you know, laying low. And But I was doing everything when I had the sickness. I was taking care of kids and house and we just moved into a new house and I was doing everything by day and then at night it would knock me down. Well, once that kind of passed, I was fine. I, and, um, you know, it, it wasn't as bad looking back. Like it doesn't scare me now. I will um, not worry about it. I don't want obviously my friends and family to get it, but I'm not going to hide my life from it. I will do everything to take precautions for people around me not to get it. But I think that um, a younger generation, it's not going to affect as much. Um, everyone's going to be different. But, uh, you know, talking about that, like the baseball world, these guys, these Cardinals, man, they're, they're living and breathing the, the fear of not being able to play. And I know guys like Dexter Fowler and other guys are not getting uh, uh, family time. Um, Dexter's family is back home because he just is worried about them flying and then them, you know, integrating into his life and his house and going back and forth in the ballpark. So, you know, a guy like that doesn't get to see his family for two months and, um, you know, it's just a, it's just a weird thing. These guys are doing everything they can just so they can keep playing. And, um, you know, it's a strain. It really is. And uh, for me, it wasn't that bad. I'm, you know, I'm not doing anything out of the ordinary. So I was able to hang out and just, just kind of stay home and lay low. And my kids didn't get it. Uh, my daughter got it. My girlfriend got it. Our nanny got it. Um, but other than that, we kept it in our house and we just stayed away from everyone. So you were never, you never had to go to the, uh, the hospital. You were never on a ventilator, nothing that severe. No, I went to the emergency room just because I didn't want to have someone wake up one day and they say, Jim Edmonds is dead. He thought he was invincible. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> okay. I just finally said, yeah, this is happening. Um, let me go see what's going on. My oxygen levels were really low. Um, they almost wanted me to stay in the hospital for a couple of hours. But I went to the emergency room, um, okay. you know, and it was set up by the team doctor just to get checked out because I was right. saying something's wrong. I don't want this to get um, out of control. And uh, yeah, and then, like I said, a couple of days later, I was getting better and healthy and I never really took any medicine. I didn't do anything fancy. Um, I just really watched everything, but they were really concerned about my oxygen levels. And other than that, I think, uh, you know, like I said, it was one of those things that happened and you just, you, uh, you get better and you move on. 
Yeah, trying to understand this going forward for all of us. So not that we're doctors or scientists, but because you experience it, I thought you laid it out. So you're you're comfortable, Jim, or in favor of the the baseball and I know they, they don't have the bubble like the NBA or the NHL, but but doing what they're doing. I mean they're we're learning as we go, uh, whether it's mask or distancing or testing and a lot there's you uh-huh. know some these false tests that come out and we, we double check and, and obviously we want to make sure it's, it is safety first and I you know, you have to you have to err on the side. Of, of caution, but but you're comfortable with with the league going forward, doing the way, doing what they're doing to try and play a season. You know what? I, I don't know. I I, I don't want to be an advocate for um, you know screw COVID uh, and have people sick and die and hate me. Um, I think what I'm watching is necessity for the league to survive. Okay. I think that um, I know the owners are getting killed right now as far as money, um, yep. and I know that some of these sports probably wouldn't survive a full maybe year and a half off um, of not playing at all as far as um, revenue. Uh, I don't, I don't really know. We never know because we right. We don't know what the books look like. Yeah. Organization. Yeah. But, but uh, I, I, I applaud everyone mm-hmm. for trying to do um, what they're doing. And I feel like if everyone was that concerned about it, then there would be a lot more players opting out. Um, yep. And that's yep. just where I'm at. I'm, I'm a player. I, you know, I got paid to play a game and that's what I felt like my job was. So I would be out there every day playing um, right now if, if I had the opportunity to. And I think that that's just part of it. Um, it. It'll be interesting to see how this plays out in the long run. If, you know, people keep getting sick or if uh, one of the major sports takes a massive hit, like where there's three or four or five or six different teams all sick at the same time. And that's where the real, um, you know, tell all signs are going to be um because right now we just kind of you know yeah. a couple of guys get sick I've, I've known people that have I, I talked to a guy the other day that said he went in and he signed up and he got in line to take the test and did all his homework and everything and then the line was so long he left and then two days later um without being tested he got called and said he was positive and he was like <laughs> i didn't even get tested so yeah you know there's just so much misinformation out there and, and so much fear i just that's where um, I am more concerned with uh, yeah. that kind of stuff than I actually am about the disease or the uh, the COVID itself. Yeah, and I, I thought you made the point. You you have you have a choice. Uh, you want to play, or you can opt out. And uh, certainly, I understand if people have family concerns and and don't want to be involved. I, I we certainly understand that. That's why I think people should be given that option. Just a few more things before we, we wrap up. And I, uh, that 2006, I, I, I covered that, that world series with Fox, uh, Joe Buck, Tim McCarver's in the dugout, that, that title with Tony La Russa, where you defeat the, the Tigers. You guys were on a roll. It was kind of an interesting Cardinal team. And Yadier Molina is still going by the way, which is amazing. Wow. How would you, how would you, and people, you know, people listening, they think, Oh, all the great teams. We know the Yankees have won more world series, but the Cardinals have won the most of any national league team. I mean, they're that organization uh, next in line, which is, and there's a lot of different ways, they've won in history but that that team was unique with I guess I said with LaRusso what what do you how would you sum up uh that World Series title for that team that you were a part of um I think that was a really solid team that overachieved I think we had a really good good group of guys that played together uh came together we had a bunch of um uh, guys that came from different organizations we had a lot of guys within our organization but we just kind of came together we we never played all year with the full team everyone got hurt off and on and we woke up um, first day of the playoffs and we had a full, healthy 
um, team on the field and everyone looked around and said, Hey, we got a chance. And you just never know what's going to happen. You get hot for two weeks and anyone can win. We've all seen that. Um, but it was a lot of fun. It, it, playing professional sports, being in a clubhouse, um, being a part of a situation where you're with a bunch of guys more than you're with your family. Uh, it, it is an interesting dynamic and it's something that you can never explain. People don't understand. It changes the way you um, talk, walk, live your life. Uh, you know, it makes relationships hard because you're so used to being around guys and girls don't understand that kind of uh, demeanor or that makeup or even that link language. And, you know, you say some things maybe at home you shouldn't say because it's just part of your life because uh, you've been on the road so much. But uh, it is. It was so much fun. And Tony LaRusso was just, he did such an amazing job throughout my career. Uh, he taught me how to grow up on and off the field. And he prepared us to go out and play every day. And um, without him, there's no way we win. But uh, you got to give a lot of credit to the guys that I felt like it was a group of guys that actually wanted to win and they would have done anything it took to, to get that um, uh, World Series title. Yeah, and then this year, if if teams don't complete the 60, they'll use winning percentage if, if people are concerned about that. Uh, where do you see the, the – I know the Cardinals are kind of in a make-up ground position. It seems really unfortunate. Uh, but the superpowers, at least the favorites, are the Yankees and, and Dodgers. Where, where do you see this postseason going, at least based on what we know now? I, I know this is a you know, is an intangible – a number of intangibles that will be affecting you know, the way this plays out. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, I can't see that they're going to, some teams are going to be on winning percentage and some teams are going to be on win loss. Um, I, uh, you know, you do have your favorites and then there's going to be a team that's probably going to sneak in that you, you know, on opening day, you would have said, I would have never thought that this team would be in the playoffs in 2020 or this team's not that good, but they played well uh, and they're going to get blasted in the playoffs or, you know what, they might just go on and win the whole thing. Um, I think it's going to be really interesting come at the end of these 60 days who's in the in this so-called playoff um, pool and who's not. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm a fan, you know, now. I watch and kind of just don't put too much thought into it and just trying to try and figure out uh, who I like, what I like, and how they're getting about doing their job. And um, I don't know, Chris. I, I feel like I don't have that kind of voice for this anymore like my son asked me a lot of questions and I'm like I really don't care like I just want to watch it as a as a fan you know at some time uh, when I can't control what's going on with the Cardinals then I just turn into a fan and turn the tv on and then sit down with my family and try to enjoy it yeah and we're, we're kind of all of that given the given the uh, state of things all right I'll let you go we, we, final question would you consider uh, doing another reality show or or if you did what would it be like <laughs> uh, if I had to do another reality show, I would make sure I had creative um, control, okay. and I would want, I would want people to see me and not some version that people paint on TV. I think from what I hear, a lot of people laugh because the people that I really know thought that oh man, that's not you. They painted you in a bad light, and then the people that I don't know say oh you're a prick or you're this or you're that. And so people that don't know me think that I'm somebody that I'm not, and um, so I would love to have creative control, but it wasn't that bad at the beginning, but I would love to people to see, I would love people to see the real me, the real person that takes care of the kids and, and is cleaning up the house and is sitting talking to an old, old friend on, on the radio on a podcast because I, I, I love uh, the people that I've run into in my life and I respect people like you and I enjoy it. Yeah, no, and I, I through the years, I know and I've, and I've observed the real you, and, and that's why I like you know, talking to you. Maybe the ex-husbands of St. Louis or something. We could come, I'll, pitch a, I'll, <laughs> well, I'll pitch a show. I'll tell you what, Andy, 
Andy Cohen told me he would never allow uh, any reality show from Bravo to be in St. Louis, and I'd probably write on with that one. <laughs> no knock on, on St. Louis. All right, Jim, thanks. You stay in good health. Enjoy the uh, best of your family. Enjoy uh, the baseball season and uh, your other ventures, and uh, we'll catch up again soon. I really enjoyed talking to you. Thanks, Chris. It was good right. to talk to you, hear from you, and uh, I appreciate everything. Have a good day. All right. Take care. Jim Edmonds with us on CMI, the Chris Myers interview. Thanks for listening on Podcast One. Thanks for listening to CMI, the Chris Myers interview. Make sure to subscribe, rate, review, and spread the word. Get new episodes every Wednesday on Podcast One, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify.